Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Shannon Hall, also known as Dallas from the original American Gladiators, and probably one of the most boringest people of the 90s and early 2000s, you know, until you find out what she's really done. Shannon, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right. You know, and when I say boring, I'm talking like, you know, Miss Fitness uh, America, uh, undefeated tough woman world champion, platinum boxing champion, Wushu Sanshu women's champion, you know, uh, striking coach, boxing coach, a bunch of boring stuff. Yeah, man, that's total like yin energy, right? Just put you to sleep. Right. Yeah. You're the first woman ever to box professionally at Madison Square Garden. Yes, sir. What's that got to be like when you sit there and it's like, because Madison Square Garden has this mystique, you know, it's it's almost mythical to want to compete there. And all of a sudden, you know, now you get to go there as a competitor, as as a professional boxer and put your stamp on there as one of the first women to box there because, you know, it's you and your opponents. So you're the first two. That's right. That's right. I think her name was, uh, just to give her props, I think her name was Tara Fernandez. Uh, I believe she was a Mexican girl. Uh, so, yeah, it was she and I. So I share that with her, and uh, we couldn't have done it without each other. And, um, boy, let me tell you, you know, when, when sometimes when things are happening, you don't really feel the weight of it or understand what's going on until, you know, time has passed. And I didn't know that uh, we were the first women. I think it was on the undercard of a Buster Douglas a fight that was in 1998, I believe. Mm-hmm. And right before I went out, um, Art Door, uh, my promoter, he's like, well, you know, you're going to make history tonight. And, you know, okay, during that time, I was like so cocky and I just like spouted out stuff before I even knew it, what I was saying. I'm like, dude, I make history like every day because I'm like a smart ass. So sometimes <laughs> my mouth gets away from me and I don't realize the magnitude of what happened. He goes, you know, you're going to make history tonight. I'm like, dude, I make history every day. And he just laughed at me, right? So, because I was in fight mode. Okay, when a fighter's in fight mode, do not take anything that they say <laughs> seriously, right? So, um, I didn't understand what he meant, but after the fight, he said, you realize what you just did? And I said, yeah, I knocked the bitch out in a minute and a half. Woo! You know, he's like, he's like, no. He goes, you and Tara were the first women to ever box professionally here. You know, he said, since before you guys, women were just ring card girls. And I was like, whoa, what? And so, and I still didn't re- and realize kind of at that time what it meant. But now, now that it's over, my boxing career is over. Mm-hmm. You know, my life isn't over, but I'm saying my boxing career, once that your, your adrenaline is up all the time, you're getting hit in the head a thousand times a month, you know, you really don't know what the hell's going on. So that's why I understand these girls that do MMA now, you know, and mm-hmm. Octagon and, and boxers, you really don't feel the magnitude of your career until it's over. Because, right. you know, there's so much head trauma going on and, you know, ego stuff. And now that I look back on that, I'm just like, holy shit, that was huge. That was a huge thing for me. And probably that was probably the greatest thing that I've done as far as history wise, you know, left history on the world. One of the first women to do that. So, you know, granted, it wasn't the same as it is today or whatever, but I was there. I fought in the garden. I won in the garden. And now every time that UFC's there, because they just started, you know, having yeah. matches there this past couple of years, I'm like, bro, been there, done there, did that, <laughs> knocked her out, you know. So I am so, so, so grateful for that moment. And right. thank you for um, bringing that back up in my mind, because in light of everything that's going on today, we're appreciating things more than we ever had before because, you know, you never know if it's going to happen again and, and all that stuff. So that was probably the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Right. And then with concussions, as you mentioned, you know, that's a big deal. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. You know, Dark Side of the Ring just did uh, a two-hour special on Chris Benoit, who unfortunately murdered oh. his wife and child. And they they estimated that his brain was just mush from all the concussions that he had, which yeah. obviously is a contributing factor. But there's also other aspects that you know we feel for for uh, for Nancy Benoit and, and their their child and everything. So you know, Absolutely. we're not going to dismiss. That oh, it was just you know concussions because there's got to be other things involved in there. But at least we know it plays a factor into it. Um, as a boxing coach, uh, when you train somebody at your gym, um, yeah, the the name of my gym was Knockout Artist Fight Club in New Smyrna Beach, and uh, I think I ran it for about a year and a half or two years, and uh, I had some personal issues. I have a son with a disability. Um, I had some things going on that I could not run it effectively by myself. So a good friend of mine that was also affiliated with, affiliated with the gym uh, bought the gym from me and was able to carry on. I had to go to New Mexico and Texas. I just had a bunch of stuff I had to handle personally, and Matt took the gym over. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff happens when that happens, but a lot of the students are still there. You know, gyms go through lots of changes, um, but I'm still affiliated with it. My daughter does MMA, uh, and she still takes there and does the classes. So now it's called Marshall Fitness uh, in New Smyrna. And I ran into the situation, and here's where being a woman, uh, you know, I guess it differs like in sports because I am also a mother. Mm-hmm. I have two children. I've got a, a 19-year-old. He's got narcolepsy, and I have a 14-year-old daughter. And so I raise these kids by myself. Oh, wow. And I just had to, I had to take some time off. And, um, we also have family in New Mexico. We had to go there. I had to, I had to take some time off for a little while to get my personal affairs in order and my kids on track and other family things together. And I did that. Um, we went to New Mexico and to Texas. My son is in Texas now finishing school. Uh, he's on a program now where they're helping. Kids with narcolepsy, and he's able to graduate high school, and I think they're going to give him a scholarship uh, to go to acting school. So I really had to give my son some attention that he desperately needed because I tell you, with the gym, my fighters became my children. So when I coach somebody, I'm so involved in their life, and that's what makes a good coach. A coach isn't just someone gym-related. They are in the lives of the fighters and lives of their students, and I was really – you know, I mean, they're like my kids. So, you know, either I was going to do the damn thing 100% and be the best coach in the world, or I'm going to step back and let someone else do it that can give the kids the attention they needed during that time. So for a year and a half, you know, we we went to jiu-jitsu tournaments. We were a champion team. I had champion fighters uh, in MMA, you know, as a striking coach. And I had really good jiu-jitsu uh, and MMA coaches with me. But I tell you, I had more fun doing that, and my heart is still there, and I still want to get back to doing that because that is – I'm a coach. That's what I do, and it's um, who I am, and my kids are stable now. Uh, and so, you know, when the gyms get back open again, you know, Marshall Fitness is, is doing other stuff right now, and I brought in one of my students. His name is Billy Walters uh, as the boxing coach. So he's doing a great job, um, you know, with USA Boxing and – uh, bringing that back into the gym. So I came back and the gym had kind of, you know, been doing its own thing. And so, and when I come in, I am top dog. I'm an alpha chick and I'm top dog and things have to go my way or no way, bro. I'm just built like that, RC. <laughs> I swear I am not a submissive person. 
I am not a backseat chick or whatever. My heart is on my sleeve. But when it comes to coaching, I've been a coach, what, for, let's see, I had my first fighter at 30, or was it, I'm trying to think in my 20s, almost 25 years. So I've been coaching now for over 25 years. You know, I've had a license for USA Boxing Coach. Anyway, long story short, I've paid my dues. So I'm a champion fighter. I've done this for 30 years. I know so much. I, I'm a weight cut specialist. Anyway, that's what my love and my passion was. So, you know, when people stand in front of me that just started it or whatever, I, you know, I, I, I like listen to their opinion, but I'm like, nope, that's not the way it is. Not, and I can't, you know, there's no room for error when you're managing fighters. There's no room for uh, second guessing something when you're trying to give a fighter uh, the mindset to fight or the proper technique or the proper conditioning or the proper diet. To me, I take that so, so, so seriously. So I will probably have to start my own place again because I can't go in full speed ahead and and work under someone that's not as experienced as me. You know what I'm saying? That I brought in like, damn. Okay. So I started the foundation for, my friends to get something going on and, um, and they're, they're doing great, uh, but they're doing their thing. But, you know, I tell you, I got to do my thing. There's a reason why I was the first woman to box. I'm just so bullheaded and my attitude is just like, boom, boom, boom. Not many people can deal with me, RC. You know, it's either you get on the boats or you get on your own boat. If you get on mine, you got to just ride, you know, (laughs) just, just ride with me, go along for the ride. You know, I would have never guessed. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know what? It's a blessing and a curse. And as far as relationships go, that's why I'm single. Um, I have so many friends and so many guy friends. Um, I'm divorced. My ex-husband from Los Angeles was a world champion wrestler in high school and got a scholarship to go wrestle. Um, I can't remember if it's, let's see, where's the, where's the Granby School of Wrestling? What college is that, RC? Do you have any idea Granby. where that is? Oh my God. I used to wrestle too. That's the problem. Granby. Granby. Oh my God. You should know. <laughs> I know, but you know, you threw me off, Miss Alpha oh Chick. <laughs> well, wherever the Granby School of Wrestling was, and it's one of those middle, you know, corn husker states, I believe it's in like Nebraska or something like that. Um, I can't remember which school. Anyway. He had a scholarship uh, to wrestle there, so he he was a badass, and I married him. You know, he had some hip problems or whatever, but anyway, he was a fighter too. Raised that way, cauliflower ears, a whole nine yards, and um, I met him in L.A. in college. Anyway, we I married the guy because he's the only guy that could take me down. <laughs> okay. That, that's My an Christ- interesting requirement. <laughs> My, obviously, the subliminal requirement I had for the person that I was going to marry is a person that could – submit me and or take me down and I think I had just gone through lots of dates lots of wrestling practices lots of gyms and you know what did it for me and he put me to sleep in a chokehold like a baby this this guy was so 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 talented and amazing he was an awesome wrestler and that's what he literally physically submitted me so I said yes when he married me now that wasn't a criteria for longevity and a good part. Okay, so we could wrestle, but, you know, it didn't work out with us uh, for marriage. But we had a beautiful daughter out of it. She's a badass, and so I'm thankful for all that. But anyway, long story short, at the end of the – after we were able to talk, because we about killed each other and divorced, mm-hmm. I said, why? Okay, so this this motherfucker, okay, he got another girl pregnant while we were married, okay? So I was yeah, that, a good that's, wife. That's grounds for divorce right there. 
Okay, exactly. So I was a good wife, okay? And this happened, and this girl knocked on my door. Hi, there's something I need to tell you. This pregnant chick. I'm like, what the freak are you talking about? Anyway, so that's what happened to my marriage. But after all the smoke and everything cleared, I asked him, I said, and she, she wasn't anything to write home about as far as physically an athlete or, you know, you know, nothing vivacious. And I, at the end of that, I said, why did you go with someone like that when you married someone like me? We're night and day, you know? And he said, well, he said, I never could break your will. And I said, what? I said, I said, I married you. He goes, but I could never break your will. He said, you know, there's, you just, you wouldn't break and you're supposed to be submissive to me as a wife. And I got tired of the struggle. He said, I got tired of the battle. I said, oh, and here's me, how I talk. I said, oh, so you go with some weak little bitch that can't do shit or whatever. He goes, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> said, okay. He goes, I got tired of the struggle and the battle. So. That strong will of mine, RC, uh-huh. is a blessing and a curse. And that is why I'm single. And, you know, when you do fall in love with somebody, a natural submission occurs. And I guess, you know, he might have had a point. Maybe I didn't roll over because, you know, it wasn't the right time, the right way. So, Like, is he saying you wouldn't look for compromise or it was just... I thought I was compromising. I thought I was, but you know, when I, when I got my heart in something, if I didn't want to go to the church that he wanted to go to because they were prejudiced against gay people and he wanted to go there and I, this is just one battle I could just think of. For example, mm-hmm. I'm very, I have gay friends, black friends, white friends. I am so not racial. You know, I feel like I'm a part of all of them. And if I get around a group of people or whatever that has a problem with that, that's racism. I cannot stand being racist and especially mm-hmm. in a church. So a place where I'm going to take my children to worship mm-hmm. and me to worship are Christians and to go in there and him saying something like homosexual and a couple of people got up and left. And then there was another sermon about something derogatory and just too white power ish. And I was just like, what the, this is not. And I just said, I can't go somewhere like that. I'd mm-hmm. rather go to some, you know, a, a black church and baptism where everybody's singing and praising and just like going crazy like that. I love that openness. I'm so I guarantee you they wouldn't be prejudiced against white people. This was our conversations right. like this. Mm-hmm. And so I have values that I stand on. If you're going to be with me, you can't have any, anything like that in your bones, your body. My fighters, you know, Raheem Jackson um, is a black dude. He's like my son and I've trained him for the past five or six years. See, there we go again. One of my students, he's like my kid. So in a million years, I could never go into a place or establishment that had a problem with black people. Right. Uh, my son is, is bisexual. He's confused. He doesn't really know what he is, but I can't go somewhere that has a problem if he's going to be, end up being gay. This is, these are my family. These are my children. And so, you know, who's ever going to be with me has to be okay with all of that. And so I guess my ex, you know, he was Hispanic and, um, and Native American and, um, he just obviously couldn't stay faithful. But he uh, also was, you know, about homosexuality and, and all that. And I'm just like, you haven't been around enough. You haven't met enough people. You haven't had enough life. Okay, well, maybe that's why you divorced me. <laughs> so I said, you haven't well, been around long enough to well, it's just weird that you want to profess a faith where you have to be faithful. And then the first thing you do is turn around and cheat. But those other people are the yes. problem. Thank you. I'm like, what about the adultery clause? Okay. Yeah, you know that that's that's a big one. There, you know, there's this list of ten that shows up multiple times in this one book. Yeah, I mean, are you Mm. kidding me? 
You know, the Bible, mm-hmm. the Bible constantly repeats the Ten Commandments. Of yes, and that's one of them. One. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And he said, oh, well, that was your fault, too. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, bro. You're, you haven't been around long enough. And he was younger. Okay, let's just put it right out there, RC. I am mm. a cougar. I am okay. queen cougar of the cougar castle. You know, I will be 50 in two weeks. I'll be 50 years old in two weeks. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Uh, my husband was 15 years younger than me. Um, and I, and I see where that, it was a life experience thing that didn't work, you know, as far as one day you're going to run into some gay guy that's going to save your life and it's going to change your whole perspective mm-hmm. over about gay people or whatever, but he just hadn't had enough experience. So, um, and my physicality mm-hmm. and mindset, I'm very healthy. I still have a six pack. I got obliques or whatever. I don't do old balls. Okay, it's like I just have to be with someone who's physically compatible, and it just happens to be much younger guys. So that's why I'm single, because their mentality is younger, but I'm a very physical person. Mm-hmm. Out of all the boxing and everything I've done, I'm telling you, there's growth hormone released and, and boxing and fighting because the reason I look younger, I didn't do drugs like that. I didn't do all the steroids. Well, I partied. Okay, let's, let me back up right there. Uh-huh. As a gladiator... We party, bro. Okay, so I, I've partied. I can imagine. We're going to get to the gladiator <laughs> thing in a bit. So. Although so. I, I, I do have to say, since you did live in Texas, please mm. tell me that you lived in Dallas and not, say, like San Antonio. or uh, San Antonio is a great city, but, you know, don't get me wrong, because I've been to their film festival and they're great people there. But it would yes. just be weird that if Dallas lived in Austin. No, Dallas lived in Dallas, bro. <laughs> That's why I was Dallas. So I actually okay. lived uh I think my house was in Plano at the time, but it was in Dallas is where I trained and did bodybuilding shows. And so I lived in Dallas. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Just got to clear that up, you know, because it would be weird. It's like she got the nickname Dallas and she lived in Austin or Houston. Ew. Where- no, I'm not a, like a front. No, that's some fake stuff. No, it's for real in Dallas. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. A lot of great times there. A whole lot of good times in Dallas. Yeah. And you you mentioned the American Gladiator thing. Is it true that you tried out for the show as a competitor and they loved you so much that they're like, no, you're a gladiator? Yeah. Um, well, I'm not sure if that they loved me or if that's what it was. But, um, yeah, so, okay, and what the deal was, when I lived in Dallas, um, I did a bodybuilding competition. It was my first bodybuilding show as a heavyweight, mm-hmm. uh, heavyweight contender. Was it heavyweight or was that what weights are in bodybuilding? Um the big, whatever the, I'm not sure if that, what, okay, no, I yeah. can just think. Did they say heavyweight? No, that's just boxing. Well, bo- boxing, wrestling, MMA, I mean, they have the weight classes, but the, I thought there was like over, you know, over X weight, under X weight. Like one of our, one of our writers, Angela Augustin, is the California heavyweight powerlifting champion. Or is it power, is it heavyweight or 205? He's in the 205 weight class. Okay. And so that and they so, do it similar to boxing, like I, bodybuilding and stuff. Some, I think powerlifting still does. I'm not sure. I'll have to, I'll have to ask Angela about that, but bodybuilding's changed so much in, in the past yes. 20 years. It has. Yeah. Well, that was, I can't remember what weight, but I'm thinking, it, I'm thinking it was heavyweight. Anyway, we'll, we'll say heavyweight. Okay. Uh, I did a bodybuilding show. Um, I got second place mm-hmm. in the heavyweight division in Dallas and my friends and I, right after the show, uh, they said, hey, man, let's, because they, they kind of dieted with me, okay? So after the show, we're all going out and getting drunk and drinking. Hey, mind you, I was 20, 26 years old. So this is, you you were 26 of age old. when it came to drinking yes. after the competition. Let's be specific on that. 
Yes, I was totally of age, and that's what you're supposed to do in your 20s. And I just, you know, trained really hard for several months, got second place in Dallas, Texas, in a heavyweight bodybuilding, my division or whatever. Anyway, so after the show, um, my girlfriend said, hey, not girlfriend, not gay, I'm straight, but my friend, it was a girl. Uh, she's like, hey, man, let's go to Houston. Let's drive to Houston this weekend and party, you know, and celebrate. You know, money was flowing at the time, so no problem. So we said, okay, cool. So we took off out of Dallas just to get out of town, and um, sure enough, on the side of the road between Dallas and Houston somewhere, it said um, tryouts for the American Gladiators, and so it was kind of really big during that time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just telling you right now, we were in that car, and I wasn't driving or anything, but I was just wasted. We were smoking some pot, we were drinking, we were celebrating. I was not driving. Uh, and I was like, okay, so we were totally messed up in the backseat, having a great time eating pizza, you know, because we're all skinny. They dieted with me. And they said, Shannon, dude, pull over. You're jacked right now. Let's do this damn thing. I'm like, no, are you kidding me? I'm like, I can't even see you right now. They're like, no, let's just do it. It'll be great. So my guy friend that was one of my coaches at the time uh, for bodybuilding, just pulled the damn car over, and I'm like, no, no. And he's like, get your ass out of here. I'm going to go sign you up. And you know what, RC? I would have never done that had I been sober, okay? <laughs> Let right. me just tell you. I would have never done it or thought about it. I would have thought, oh, my God, I'm not prepared. I'm not ready, all this kind of stuff. I would have never done it if he would yank that car over and sign me up. And I just we went through it just for fun. Mm-hmm. So I went through all the, you know, the, what was it, the – sprints like the hundred yard dashes and hurdles and pull-ups and all this stuff. And I was just, I barely even remember it, but I had such a good time. And, you know, I'm sure they could tell that, you know, wow, this chick's really relaxed. <laughs> you know, like she doesn't right. give a crap. Right. But anyway, I blew through everything. And two weeks, I didn't even think anything about it. I can't even remember what we did after that. I don't remember if we went to Houston. That's how, mm-hmm. how jacked up I was in the back of the car in, in a fun way. Nothing bad, you know? So right. anyway, Two weeks later, I got a phone call, and they're like, hey, Shannon Hall, we just want to congratulate you. You made the top 10 score out of, you know, 500-plus girls, and we want you to come to L.A. to be a contender on the Gladiator. So I'm like, what? I'm like, are you kidding me? And it's like, no. And there it went. So I flew to L.A. Um, I think I had like 30 days or something like that and flew to L.A. and changed my life. And, and I went there, and I was just like, oh, my God, there's Siren. Oh, my God, there's Zap. I was just like, I would, okay, talk about fanboy nation. This mm-hmm. was fangirl nation, me going into I the gladiators, too, okay? So, so yeah. I was like, oh, my God. I was just so happy to be there and just overwhelmed yeah. with the company I was keeping. Mm-hmm. And it was the games. When we started mm-hmm. scrimmaging the games with each other, um, we would go against a gladiator or two, you know, the joust, mm-hmm. um, the tug of war, whatever. And, dude, I just – I was – Killing it. I mean, just almost effortlessly because I tell you what, I may be a weightlifter, but I was born on a farm, RC. I am so incredibly strong just naturally. Mm-hmm. So I have a natural strength and a natural ability. It has nothing to do with lifting weights. It has nothing to do with steroids. It has nothing to do with anything external. That's how I was raised, like digging potatoes, you know, running for miles down a country road, you know, swimming out of, you know, rock quarries, 60 feet. I mean, that was how I grew up. So that brought that strength into the studio, and it just blew everybody away. It was so strong and ripping people off the um, tug-of-war things. Mm-hmm. You know, the joust came, and I was started right. holding my own in the joust when I wasn't supposed to know what I was doing. And I was just so freaking happy to be there. And so after two weeks, and just running through the gauntlet, I knocked everybody down. I was just like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> I was just having such a good time. Yeah. So they brought me up in the studio, and they're like, okay, Shannon, 
I said, we have a problem. I remember it was like Houston. We had a problem. They brought me up to the studio, uh, to this direction, to the directors. What was it? Um, it was a van, actually. It was a van outside. I said, hey, we got a problem. I was like, what? I said, we can't have you beating up all the gladiators. You're supposed to be a contender. <laughs> and I'm like, well, dude, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? And I said, yeah, but not like in such an overwhelming fashion. I said, don't tell me you're going to ask me to pull back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you going to ask me to pull back and fake some shit? I said, I thought this was the real deal. See how I talk, RC? I just talk right. sometimes. Okay. And I said, I thought this was a real deal. They look, well, you can either go for a shot and at the 10 grand, which was a lot at that time. Now it's right. not. Or we can, we can have you on board as a new alternate gladiator. I said, an American glad to be a gladiator. And they said, yeah, you know, you might not make as much money the first year because we'll have to put you on as an alternate. They said, but we just, this doesn't look right. You're bigger and stronger and, you know, you know, just one time versus years. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, give me the uniform, man. Let's do it. So I was like, oh, my God. So my life changed right there. So I remember my name. And when I changed over to the gladiators, the girls were all pissed off or whatever. And. And I was just like, hey, hey, I'm one of you guys. I was, I was like so green, right? right. And, um, they're like, shut the fuck up. We're going to beat your ass. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So they proceeded to beat my ass one after the other after the other just for initiation. And they made me even stronger. So they made me stronger. They made me tougher. And once they got to know me, they couldn't remember my name, RC. So they just said, God, your, your country accent is like crazy. Where are you from? I said, Dallas. Where are you from? Dallas. So they just kept saying, all right, Dallas, get your ass over here. Let's let Dallas box this guy. Let's let Dallas do this guy. They were trying just to kill me, right? They were trying right. to, you know, make me lose. But you know what? I rose up, and it made me super strong. And I that was, like, the best best time of my life. And now I love these girls. They're family to me. We're sisters. And, uh, See? Um, Boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I. <laughs> I'm just so blessed, RC. I swear to God, I'm just blessed to have that physicality to do that during the time. And, you know, as getting older and running into health problems, you just cherish those moments when you're healthy and on fire, you know, and in everybody's life. There's a time where you're your strongest. And you you said you wrestled. You know, can you remember that, how strong you were? And you could just run for days and jump rope and not even have food and go to school and wrestle all night, you know, and. God, that's... I, I actually always had more fun doing judo than wrestling. It's just because I think I had better judo senseis than I did wrestling coaches. Ah, so you but, do judo. I didn't know yeah. that. That's awesome. Where did you yeah. do that? Uh, San Francisco State University. David Matsumoto, who was Team USA's Olympic head coach in 96, was my sensei. And now oh, I train shit. it. Yeah, now I train at Senshi Judo over here in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, I'm still injury prone. You know, I can step up, I, I could be at home and then trip over the computer cord and twist my <laughs> ankle and it'll be the exact spot that you need to hit in order for it to swell up the size of a cantaloupe because oh. that's just how great I am at, at finding the right injury spot. No shit. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah. But, but your judo, I mean, that, that's amazing. So when you get on the mats, it's like you kind of take another identity on it and go Super Saiyan when you're doing judo, right? I mean, that's, that's like your fix, it sounds it, like. It is because, see, like, you know, I also train Krav Maga. And the thing with the with the judo versus boxing is I don't uh-huh. like getting hit. You know, ah, if we get, okay. cho- you know, choked out, thrown, joint locks, whatever, I'm fine with that. But getting hit will just piss me off. And oh, you see. can't fight angry. Right. And right. so that would just be stupid for me to fight angry. Yep, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Shit. Well, you, you found your thing. You're a grappler, dude. Yeah. That's 100% grappler right there. And, you know, I wear I wear ear guards so I don't end up with the cauliflower ear because, you know, I have to lo- have some semblance of uh, 
professionalism when I go out there. Right. <laughs> now, some people, but I mean, if you're a professional fighter, you know, they wear、oh, those things different... like badges of honor, right? Right. You know, but when you sit there and you're going to go interview, you know, a, an actor for for a movie, and they mostly do,、uh, you know, romantic comedies, it looks kind of funny to have the cauliflower ear. Okay, gotcha.、Yeah. I got.、You. So more TVs. But yes, you're right because that does just stereotype you into one category of a person. Absolutely. Right, unfortunately,、um, you're right. That's but, awesome about your judo, though. That's that's cool to hear about. That's some badass stuff right there. It's good for yeah, you. I, I wish you know that judo and jujitsu would reunite as one as one art because、yeah. I get tired of seeing the the two camps constantly arguing with each other which one's better this way, which one's better that way, and they both have their advantages and disadvantages. And if the arts just actually reunified, it'd be better for all for all of us. Well, I think most、um, the jujitsu guys that I know, mo- and the judo guys that I know, they both have ha- they both have both things. Like most jujitsu guys that are great have a judo background, and most guys who do jujudo also have some jujitsu practicing. So they're you're right; they should be together because they make each. Other better, yeah. So, and, and I think that's the latest、better. trend. So, I think people are starting to wake up to that because it took about twenty five years for that to finally、Damn. happen. You know,、yeah. but, and you do you, do you practice jujitsu or just judo? Do you do jujitsu as well? Ju- just judo, you know. Right now, I did a little jujitsu for a little while. It's just time constraints and everything else, unfortunately.、Um, but when you sit there, and as an American gladiator, you know, like Sky Track was a big thing. You know, that was、yeah. a fun one to watch. Uh, assault was my favorite one. Oh yeah, you know? yes. Because you、uh, like the guns, you want to be hit with some tennis balls, huh? Oh, I don't want to be hit with the tennis balls. I want to fire the assault.、Oh, Actually,、okay. it, in 2008, when the revival of the series happened, yeah,、uh, we we went to a taping, and it didn't have the same feel as the original series that you guys were in because it was very dark. Exactly. And.、Um, We had a friend who I no longer associate with that didn't tell his girlfriend that he was coming with us to the tapings, and the tapings ran late, and they were trying to convince us to stay. And they said if we stayed, we'd get to shoot the assault cannon. So naturally, of course, I want to stay because I want to shoot the cannon. And、yeah. his relationship was so broken that he had that we had to leave because of him and couldn't fire the cannon. Oh no! And yeah, so I'm still upset. Eleven years <laughs> later, that I missed my one chance of firing the assault cannon. Oh man, I'm so sorry. That sorry. that does really suck. Wow. Yeah. But speaking of the new series, when when it came out back in 2008, 2009, I had run into Zap at Legion Sports Festival in October. Mm-hmm. And you know, she was do- she was doing the check in, and I'm picking up my press badge, and I'm looking. At her, I was like, "Aren't you Zap from American Gladiators?" And she's like, "Yes."、Yeah. So、we're talking a little bit, and she said that they didn't, you know, they kind of neglected you guys, in that you know, you guys, you know, the people that were invited from the original cast, they only put them backstage, they only put them in the green room, they didn't even acknowledge that like the new series was a continuation of the original, was just treated as something completely different. And what is that like to sit there and have this legacy that ran from 1989 to 1997 to 11 years later? There's a revival. The show looks almost nothing alike. It's, I mean, you know, it's the same. It's the same games, but it was just dark. It didn't have that vibrant feel that the original run had. Yes, exactly.、Um, and Zap. 
uh, and Lori, who's ICE. So they actually invited us. You might have been there when we were there. I don't know, but they did invite us um, backstage, or they invited us to watch one of the shows. Um, and so we were kind of, you know, a little special guest over there on the side, which was cool. And we're just like, okay, so we're just sitting here watching this. Anyway, so came in. We expected, okay, so we expected bigger, better, badder gladiators, like gladiators unchained, you know, and, right. you know, we expected to see a lot. And so once the show started and we were also, okay, just me, okay, me and Ice and Zap were sitting there together, me and Lori and Ray. So we were sitting there with each other and the show opened up and the lights come on. And so we're sitting there and we, we all got our muscle shirts on. We're all jacked mm-hmm. up still, you know, full right. makeup, muscle shirts. We're like, okay. Impress us, bitches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So the lights come on, and um, everything is different. Okay? So we're looking for somewhat of the same format, even, right. you know, interaction with the camera people and the gladiators, how they get ready. The mm-hmm. the contenders are always – okay, and here's a few things that made our show really great. There's certain things that you have to do. And as you know, as a martial artist, mm-hmm. before a fight – you don't put, you don't sit there and hang out with your opponent. The opponent comes out of a different side of the arena for a reason. Right. So you come out of one side, your opponent comes out of the other. You don't make friends before a fight because it kills the fight. Right. Okay. So we had our own side of our dressing room. The contenders, we had very little contact with the contenders. Mm-hmm. The less they told us at the beginning, we do not want you guys to be friends. We right. don't want you to get to know each other. We don't want you to swap recipes. We, she is not your friend, you know, this girl's trying to kill you. So they set it up like a real fight right. at the gladiators. You know, before I even knew what fighting was or had that experience, mm-hmm. I was taught how to fight early on. Like, you don't talk to them, there's a reason. So anyway, um, and, and with the gladiators, mm-hmm. before the event, in the dressing rooms, back they were all one. It was almost like they were just all one thing, and we were just like, Okay, and just seeing how it goes. Okay, so we noticed that at the very beginning, and um, the show came out, and sure enough, that it was it was softer. Mm-hmm. There was less um, there was less tension between. There was less shit talking. We talked shit in the back. We were that's why I talk shit so good. I was taught to talk <laughs> shit. I was okay. taught to talk shit. This is what you do. This is what you say. This bitch is trying to kill you back. Then I'm you know you look at him. You're like yeah, good luck. Yeah, fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know this is right. what you say. So, um, the show started and it just seemed like, it just seemed like a movie, you know, in movies, actors and actresses, they all work together, you know, uh, you know, in acting class, you know, we have that invisible line between us that connects with each other and our emotions and all that kind of shit. That is what felt like it was going on. I'm like, okay, well, let's just sit back. Maybe it'll pick up in a while. So they started doing, I think it was Gina Carano that was on the joust and she was jousting somebody. And first of all, we were like, She's fat, dude. And we were talking, she's like, she's fat. We were not allowed to put our uniforms on. If we were less than like 15% body fat, they told us, you know, man, you got some fucking cheese on your ass. You want someone else to get in your uniform? You better get that shit off there or you're going to be without a job. That is how they talk to us. But you know what, RC? It worked. We're like, holy fucking shit. Okay, well, I'm not going to eat for a week and I'm going to chew nails and I'm going to piss fire. And then get, and that is what they said to us. So Gina Carano gets up there and she's beautiful and love her, whatever. But she was fat, dude. She was fat and she had like a corset thing on and she was supposed to be like this, the fighter gladiator. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I just started training to fight and stuff. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, weight cut is very important as a fighter. She should have been shredded. Mm-hmm. She should have been shredded. 
and looked as hungry and lean. And so we're like, what the fuck is going on? The contender came out and was in better shape than the gladiator. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're like, what is, so right from the beginning, everything was off. Mm-hmm. Everything was off at the beginning. And, um, Gina got out there and then, uh, another girl, uh, Robin Coleman came out there and she was, you know, super fat in, in our mind. This is how we were trained to think. So we're looking for gladiators to be better than us, leaner than us, mm-hmm. stronger than us, beautiful, youthful, have the whole package. And then when we see these girls come out here and they know they were overweight. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying anything that they don't know, but from our perspective, they were so, so, so hard on us mm-hmm. as to how we looked. Body fat percentage. Um, the competition was so high for someone to jump in our uniform. We were in the best shape of our lives. Right. And these girls were not. And I've, I've seen, I know Robin Coleman and I know Gina and I've seen them in amazing shape. I mean, they're fighters and powerlifters and champion athletes, but for the show, they didn't treat the show like it was an event. They treated the show like it was just some thing they were getting paid as an actor to do for a part. They didn't take it serious. They didn't train for two months before on the games because they were just getting trained on the games when they were getting in front of the contender and, and taping the show. We're like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So during the joust, Gina dropped her jousting thing and they stopped the game in the middle of the the event so she could pick up her jousting and start over. And we're like, whoa. We're like- so we're just sitting there like, and we, I don't think, I don't think we even stayed till the end because it was like a movie. Mm-hmm. So they treated the show like a movie. They gave the girls their identities. And to us, we didn't even understand the concept because we were told that it was going to be more like a movie, that the um, the arena was, you know, better than ours and mm-hmm. that they made the gladiators like the bad guys and the contenders were like the stars. And here's mm-hmm. Layla Ali and Hulk Hogan over here. And I'm just like, okay, so here's the big stars over here, Layla and Hulk. I think Layla was even pregnant. I'm like, why isn't anybody in shape? <laughs> like, why isn't, why are these amazing women athletes coming in here out of shape? Right. Cause Gina was a thing, you know, Gina retired a year afterwards from competition after she fought Cyborg, like 18 and one was her record. And yeah. Robin Coleman, like you said, was a power lifter. You know, Layla was pregnant, so you can't blame her for that. <laughs> but you know, what I wanted was like, I wanted Layla and Hulk on color commentary the way you guys had Mike, Mike and Larry. You yes. know, that, that did everything because it would have been hilarious to hear Layla and Hulk doing, you know, doing the play by play. I thought that would have like made the show. Yeah. Instead of and just they were, the they field were also interviews. Scripted. Yeah. Yes. And they were scripted They're They're what they were doing over there was scripted. And, you know, Mike Adamley, dear, dear friend of mine that has that um, brain problem because he got hit too much in high school. What is that? C C that's some. CTE, thank yeah. you. Mike Adamley has come down horribly with CTE. You know, I, he is like family to me and, and I respect him and love him so much. And he's, he's doing okay, but boy, he's, he's going through it, let me tell you. But anyway, oh, poor guy. um, so I would watch Mike and, um, I think there was a girl, Larry was there, but then there was also a girl, I think the year that I started, cause I started later. And you're right, because of their sports entertainment, um, and athletic background, they knew the games, okay? They knew the gladiator games inside and out. Mike, you know, played football. And so here's, you know, Hulk Hogan, of course, was a wrestler, mm-hmm. but there was no wrestling in there. And Layla was a boxer, but she wasn't really calling it like a boxer. It's it's almost like people were just thrown in that show at the last minute. Mm-hmm. They picked the characters. They probably only knew a couple of months ahead of time before they were going to do the show because they were kind of going, they were making it up as, they go along. Mm-hmm. And so all these amazing people 
were hired last minute just to play a part. And they didn't understand that we were gladiators off season, on season. We train for the next season. We go two months ahead before the show starts. You know, we're put on diets. We go train with uh, USC, their football team. You know, we're digging in those the barrels of rice for half an hour to make our grip strong enough to hold on to the tug-of-war rope and to hold on to the hang tough. I mean, I couldn't even move my hands, you know, during the summer while we were training for the show. So we trained for that show like it was a fight. So we train, we're fighters going in with our specific events and what we did. And they were, they took amazing athletes and they just threw them and put a, put a uniform on them and a name. So the prep wasn't there for them because Gina's an amazing fighter. Robin was amazing power lifter. You know, Hulk and Layla, they're amazing, but they brought them in, play this part. This is what you do. And we'll take as many times as we need to take to make it right. So that was the difference right there. And we all, we just sat there and we were just like, I can kick her ass. And she's like, I can kick her ass. And I'm an old motherfucker. You know, that's how we were talking. And we did not, we did not want to um, see that. So like you, we walked in to be wooed and wowed and, and to meet the new girls and to say, we got your back. You got our support, but we couldn't even connect well, because I'm like, y'all should be better than us. And they weren't. And that's why we're just like, okay, fuck it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause I would have thought that they would have done so much more with, you know, because most of you are still around. I know we lost Siren, unfortunately. Uh-huh. And, um, uh-huh. you know, she, uh, I believe she had depression, which led to to her untimely death. Um, but she was in great shape. You know, she seemed to be in great spirits when, when, you know, being seen around. I mean, you know, she was the first deaf gladiator and got that whole community involved in it, showing that, you know, you're not just sitting there because you can't hear, you can't do anything. Right. Right. She and she had bipolar. Um, she was bipolar. That was her diagnosed situation. And um, you know, when we were doing the show, the show seemed to help her so, so, so much. You know, she had us. We were her sisters. I lived with her in Florida. Um, I saw her incredible ups and downs. You know, when she was on medication. And um, but the show and the support, I think, is what got her through so much of the hard times. And you know, in the morning, she would get up. Uh, we shared an apartment together mm-hmm. and in the morning uh, she would get up and she would be just incredibly, incredibly low. And, um, you know, she would start signing and she taught me sign language and all that, but she had um, an earring, an earring, an earpiece, a uh, hearing aid uh, that she would put in. Otherwise she couldn't really talk. You couldn't really even understand what she was saying because she couldn't hear on her, her own words. So she would put the hearing aid in and instantly she was able to speak better, you know, like from what you hear her saying, she couldn't speak without her hearing aid. So in the morning she was really low and, and, you know, I'd be with her and I said, let's get up and go for a walk and stuff. And she would have to have a lot just to get her going every day. And then the show at night, you know, uh, or even during the day in Los Angeles, but at night in Florida, um, you know, her mood just skyrocketed, you know, she was so excited, so fired up. My God, she could climb that wall faster than anybody ever seen just to jerk somebody off of there was a highlight of her life. And she just loved it. So, you know, her passion was being fed and she had support around her. And it was only after the show stopped, um, that she became isolated. And I think that she moved back uh, she was on some Indian reservation or whatever, I think New Mexico or somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where she was living, but um, she could not get back up. And she was with a girl. She had a girlfriend. She did have someone that loved her very, very much. And um, But that show, I think she probably would have demised a lot sooner had it not been for the Gladiator show. Um, 
but to watch her go up and down and we would go party and she would go out with us and she loved to dance. I mean, she was a great dancer and we'd go to the nightclubs and we would stick siren right in front of the big dance speaker. You know, the speaker that's on the floor when you right. go to the clubs, the giant ones, like if there's mm-hmm. concerts or whatever that you do not stand by or else your drink vibrates out of your hand. I, I had Shelly, a buddy that stick his head in the, uh, in the speakers. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was our friend. Shelly did that. Okay. So she would stand there with her face, with her hands against the speaker, with her head right there against the thing where your friend put yours in it. And she would just like, just be vibing, man. She would just vibe and then she'd pull back and you know, we're all like half deaf trying to hang out with her, but you know, like her, but that we, we put ourselves with her. So where she was, we were, and we took her, I, I just, I mean, my heart is just broken for her, but I think because of the show, um, that it did extend her life even past what it might have been had she not been the gladiators, because it was the joy of her life mm-hmm. to do that show and her fans and the little deaf girls that would write to her, she would just spend the mornings, you know, after we go work out, she'd come back and she would answer the letters. So she would write back and was very interactive. And without that, she sank really, really quick, unfortunately, without that. So that was the best time of her life, too. She was such a beautiful person, RC. I can't even, she was strong as shit, but she never looked at herself as she was so humble. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, as a fighter, I'm used to talking shit and I did this and I did that, you know, just right. for fun. But she never, talked about herself. She never flexed her muscles. She never looked at herself with that identity on a personal level. It was always very, just very caring and compassionate and writing to her fans and um, hanging out and dealing with them. Her mind, like she would just tell me her head hurts. And so she was a very, very different person. It made her beautiful, but you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, man, it's just, just God rest her soul. I was just happy to have known her and she was just awesome. Awesome. Yeah, because I know we lost her, and then we lost Hawk too in 2016. Okay, now this is getting, <laughs> you know, no, well, is I getting mean, very hard. Don't worry, because um, we're, then we're going to pick on who the biggest pain in the ass was. And I'm okay, guessing it was Tower. Me, oh, yeah. Let me <laughs> let me let me share. Well, you know, I got to think about that because they're all pain in the asses. But um, let me let me um, just yeah. elaborate on Lee just for one second. Sure. Hawk, which was Lee Rareman. Um, he and I were very, very, very close to, I lived in Hermosa Beach. He was in Manhattan Beach. We had a relationship outside the gladiators. You know, we would go out and hang out. All of our friends, we had the same group of friends. And, you know, he was a superstar. He just lifted everybody up. He was my big brother on the, on the team. You know, I was the youngest gladiator and he was always there to help me. Um, we would go to bars and I would get in fights with guys. Okay. I have a history and, you know, knocking motherfuckers out in bars, you know, guys like want to grab some bitch's ass or boobs. You grab the wrong motherfucker this time, boy. And so I was just getting drunk boxing fests and he would just drag me out of places and, you know, like, okay, here we go into my life here. Anyway, but he was just heart of gold. Um, I miss him so much. I have his picture here on my wall and we were all, that's how close we were, RC. Right. We loved each other. We were family. You know, after you prove that you are worthy of being a gladiator, which means that you're not an asshole, that you're there for the fans, that you're there for your team, you know, the initiation is complete. And, um, he just stayed with me during a lot of personal problems that I had in California and during my divorce, he was right there and, you know, was just, God, they're just such, they're such good people. Right. So he was, he was one of the best ones. Shelly was one of the best ones. And it's just unfortunate that those two have passed away because, you know, they were leaders as far as us. They were team leaders. And, um, 
I can't say anything negative about each one of them. Just, I just admire them so much. So I miss them. I miss them so much, you know? Sorry. No, it's okay. You know, I'm I'm sorry I made you cry. No, what I mean, I just, you know. Cause, yeah, I, cause I got to meet Hawk a couple of times and he was a super nice guy. So, you know, you got to remember the good ones. Just nothing but, nothing but personality, love and energy there. So they were just, um, Good, good people. Um, and that, the biggest asshole, I think. Um, and, um, and here's where, here's where time, you know, okay, Tower, yeah, he, no, I, I, I can't say I, because he was I'm, too quiet. I'm only no? teasing that it was Tower just because he looked apart. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, he did, you know what? He wasn't that involved with the group. Mm-hmm. He had a life outside of the gladiators and he did kind of just treat it like more like a job. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Steve Hanaberry, he was an amazing guy, but he was an actor and I think he didn't want to get his feet too dirty, you know, with the mm-hmm. group and going out and doing side stuff. I believe he was married mm-hmm. and that probably saved his ass, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Being married, uh, but you know, he was a wonderful role model to the guys. I know that he was a great big brother to all the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, okay, like him and Nitro, they were supposed to be assholes. Right. Okay, like their character was like super asshole. Mm-hmm. Now, um, okay, let me think. Now you just asked me that. Probably, oh gosh, probably Dan Clark. Yeah, Dan Clark that was Nitro was the biggest asshole of all. Okay. <laughs> His ego was like huge. Um, and you know, he it kind of, okay. The way I was as a fighter, cause your, your ego kind of overrides stuff and that fighter identity kind of becomes your identity. I kind of, you know, that kind of happened to me a little bit. It happened to him during the gladiators and just kind of, kind of got full of yourself and kicking everybody's ass. And, but you know, life has a way of humbling us okay so it's funny that dan had a heart attack uh three three or four years ago i also had hertz heart surgery a couple of years ago mine was uh, a timing problem his was probably because of the millions and thousands of steroids that he took um but he survived and i'm telling you the person that dan is now is complete 360, 180 from what he was on the gladiators. He's the most beautiful person now. He gives podcasts and helps people with their lives. And thank you so, for catching yourself with the whole 360 versus 180. Because at 360, he would have ended up being an asshole again. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you well, mean. But like. Well, he did a com- well, but he did a complete turnaround. Right. You know, I, you know, he's, you know, a that used to be, but he did a 360 in that he did a complete turnaround from who he was before and basically died and came back to life as you know. So he did have a second chance and bro, I'm telling you, um, he's helped more people now when, when God blesses you with life, you know, again, it is a complete God. It just humbles you so much. And so now he's one of my best friends. He's family. Um, I don't think they would have let you be a gladiator if you were a bad person. You know, they right. just took that trait and made a character out of it. So, um, but he, he probably had the worst in all aspects. Okay, so Nitro probably had the worst rep as far as that goes. Okay, you know, because, I mean, because, you know, there was Laser as well who, uh, you know, they were two of the originals that were still kicking it together. And, Absolutely. You know, I I just like saying Tower just because he looked the part. But other than that, you know, there was no Tower evidence. Tower was the one it. you wanted to go against, right? Was he the one you wanted to go against? Is that the well, one that made you want to fight this yeah. Tower? He, he's one of the few guys that was taller than me, so yeah. Ah, yeah. see, there you go. How tall are you, RC? I'm six three. Oh shit! So you're yeah. like gladiator material yourself a little bit. <laughs> not with not with all my injuries. 
Hey, you know what? But we were plagued with injuries, yeah. dude. I mean, yeah. that's just it. You tape up and party on. I don't think there's yeah. anybody that got away True. without injuries, especially the ACLs. You know, I've had yeah. a total knee replacement, and um, I think knees were the the biggest thing that were bust out knees and ankles because you take MCL, big bodybuilders, LCL, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Yes, but you take a bodybuilder that's only used to going forward and backward and controlled mm-hmm. movements, and you make him go laterally against mm-hmm. the contenders and all the games, and, man, their knees and ligaments were not used. Now, see, I was a gymnast. I was a gymnast for five or six years, a competitive gymnast, a national competing cheerleader, whatever. So my body And then was what, used to you that. got too tall and it was over? Yes. I was a tall, skinny gymnast, bro. Yes. But no, it wasn't over. I did great. I mean. No, because like, was, gym, like as soon as you hit 5'5 five, five as a gymnast, they're like, eh, we got to retire you. Well, that was in high school. Okay. okay. So in high school, <laughs> it all, everything goes in high school. But I did, I was very tall. Yes. So that's why I couldn't be an Olympic champion gymnast. So I went to cheerleading and then went to track and you know what, but it all became relevant when I made a gladiator. So because of me being tall, I'm five nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I came out tumbling. I did flip flop, flip flop, flip flop, full twist. So I came out this big hundred and seventy pound gymnast that nobody can handle. So basically that gymnastic background and struggling, being this tall, skinny, gauntly girl, I didn't, you know, do great in gymnastics, but it came to fruition later mm-hmm. when my body grew up with itself and I filled out and um so yeah the basically been but yeah i stuck at it in high school but then no boy i could really tumble when i was 25 you know 10 years later so yes so that worked then now here's the big question how scared of you are your kids very you know i would assume, i would assume so <laughs> um i have got the best kids on the planet because i do have a temper mm-hmm. and i'm a single mother and very frustrated and um i have like crazy anxiety just because of my stress level. So my kids grew up with all of that. And I think I only spanked them um, a handful of times each as little kids. And I'm so, so, so strong, dude. I've got a grip like you would not believe. And I know that when I laid hands on those kids' bottoms, mm-hmm. you know, it, it shook the life right out of them. And I never had trouble with them since. I've got, they're, they're the most well-behaved kids that you've ever seen. And it's because they're terrified of their mother. (laughs) So, you know, when you choke somebody out, it doesn't leave marks. So, you know, so there's no proof. There's no proof of the beatings. No, Uh, I think I only choked my son out once. So it doesn't count. Anyway, I'm a good mom. Um, so, so turning the page to that Mm -hmm. after I had kids, um, all of a sudden, I found true love. You know, the loves in my life are my kids. And uh, every relationship that I've had with a guy has either been abusive, incredibly heartbreaking. You know, they always sleep with my friends. And so I've not had any You don't have any good with... friends then. Well, they're not anymore. At the time, they used to be. But, yeah, that kind of cut the ties for my friendship uh, with those people. So, but at the time, they were, you know. Yeah. So I guess I, I guess I didn't, to be honest with you. But... Because I moved from place to place to place and traveled, you know, the relationships that I did have with girlfriends and guy friends, they were kind of new. And so they weren't people that I'd grown up with for forever. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, they just didn't stand the test of time, you know. But the ones that I do have are amazing. You know, Ice mm-hmm. from the show Gladiators, we've been almost best friends for 25 years. And mm-hmm. that one stuck. And Ray Hall and I, we're just all really close. But, you know, as far as the other people and People sleeping around, you know, when you travel around mm-hmm. RC, you know, you just run into that stuff and, and right. people that you don't know very well. 
but I'm blessed to be able to travel because I did meet some of my best friends in LA that I'm still great friends with. So, you know, along with everybody's journey, okay, here it is out of everything that I have done and been blessed to be able to do, I've had horrible experiences, but they were also coupled with the best times of my life. So, you know, what I can say to people is don't be afraid of what's going to happen because you do have to go through some bullshit to get to the good shit. Do you know what I mean? Well, speaking of the bullshit, we're in some bullshit right now. (laughs) Oh, man. Right? And you also do, uh, you know, personal training as well on top of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. With most of us yes. being homebound, except for essential essential workers, doctors, lawyers, I mean, not lawyers, sorry, doctors, nurses, EMTs, supermarket workers, farmers, you know, all these jobs that people were thought as non-essential are extremely essential, especially the, the food industry. Um, how do we stay healthy in a time like this? Okay, and this then this is good. So this is like the jailhouse workout, okay? Mm-hmm. So now we're all in lockdown. Um, they just closed the beaches here in Florida, which was everybody's, you know, workout. Mine included, that's where I ran. Um, but going through these hard times in my life and sometimes not having gyms or having injuries, you do have to do home workouts. So the most important thing, uh, you do have to spend time outside. You know, I don't, I don't know how you are or how people – you know, that do office work can stay in a building all day. Mm-hmm. But number one, that's not healthy anyway. Right. Um, you know, if you're conditioned to doing that, you know, good for you and you're not going to freak out like everybody else. But, dude, you have to go outside. You have to take walks. You have to take runs. There is a million exercises on YouTube uh, that you can do. But the main thing that's you know, I'm getting from everyone is, like, I can't get motivated to work out in my house. Okay, your house like mo- if it's like most houses are designed for comfort. Mm-hmm. So you're designed to walk in, sit on your fluffy couch, you know, curl up with your fluffy, fluffy pillows, turn on your TV, you know, go to your kitchen, make food. It's going to make you want to say, okay, your house, this is what a home is for. It's designed for that. But now you have to get a place in your home or in your yard that's designated for your workout space. So number one if you have a small house, you know, and okay, if you have a big house and an extra room, you got to make that room your workout room. You got to put some posters up that motivate you. You have to change the colors and the lighting to things that make you want to get up and do stuff, you mm-hmm. know, so you can't have comfort things in there. It's going to be just a floor, you know, get some posters off of Amazon for two or three dollars, but it's fighters, gymnasts, athletes. There's got to be something in front of you to visually stimulate you and want you to move people, uh, events, things that, you know, like fights or, you know, UFC posters, something like that. So you have to designate a room for your workout. The energy has to be different there. If you do not change the energy, your ass isn't going to do it, and you're not going to stay focused. So right. if you don't have an extra room or blessed to be able to, you know, provide for yourself and buy things, you have to go outside. So you have to go outside, have a designated space, whether it's gravel, cement. You know, if it's mm-hmm. cement, you got to get a jump rope. Jump ropes are $5 on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So you have to get your ass out of your pajamas. You have to put on some workout clothes. And in your mind, even if it's just for an hour, close the right environment, put your tunes on, your ass isn't going to move. But I tell you, I'm feeling it too, but you have to go into your alter ego. You have to go into your glad. Okay. Okay. I got to be Dallas for five minutes. So Dallas does not wear pajama, pajama pants and my hair all jacked up and I just ate some donuts. I'm seriously not going to. Okay. Dallas has to put on some pretty badass looking workout clothes. Let me put on my hundred dollar running shoes. Let me put on the sports bra that, that makes you want to train. So you got to find your Dallas mm-hmm. and put on your identity to work out, to get up, to move. You got to change your clothes, man. You, you have to be proactive. It's not just going to happen. You have to make up your mind to do it. Tell yourself you're going to get through this. 
change your clothes, change your atmosphere. Just, you know, for if you can just do it three times a week, RC, if mm-hmm. you can just three times a week. But, man, the second that you feel like that you don't want to do it is when you need to do it. Right. You know? So um, I am actually starting a YouTube channel. I just bought a house. Like the worst time anyone could. Thank you. But like the worst time anybody could possibly have buying a house. If you had waited six um, months, it would have been like 50000 cheaper. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So It's, it's all right. You can refinance then. <laughs> right. Well, this is my first house I've ever owned. So, um, you know, I'm pushing, you know, I've been traveling and I didn't know where I wanted to retire or end up, but I finally bit the bullet at 50. It's going to be here in New Smyrna and in Florida. Um, in Florida. So yeah. I'm settling in Florida. So you decided to settle in Jurassic Park. I did. Okay. <laughs> I love it here. The best like, people in the world. My people are here. My tribe is here, bro. I found my tribe. And like, it's don't here. get me wrong. I love the idea of Florida, except for the fact that everything is trying to kill you. <laughs> well, that makes you an animal, baby. Welcome <laughs> to the jungle, bro. It's only for the the true warriors have to live here. You got to get oh, out. No. You know, let's alligators. Oh, no, I'm, I'm fine with that stuff. It's just the fact that, like, you hear the stories of the snakes coming out in the toilets, and I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the one. My alarm. That's the one I'm worried about. You know. <laughs> you know what? Well, sometimes you need a lot of fire in your ass to get yourself going in the morning. So here in Florida, we just send the toilet, a snake bites your ass, and man, that's how we start our day, bro. There that's you go. How we no, um, but but my house that I just got, and I'm trust me, I am a struggling single parent. I wish I would have saved some of my gladiator money and all that, and being a coach. Isn't like a mint, uh, you know, mint job here. So I struggle, but I did was able to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, and my house, um, I have a whole extra room that's going to be just for my training, uh, personal training, and I'm starting a YouTube channel. So on April the fifteenth, I'll be starting my own YouTube channel, and it's for basically home workouts. Um, you know, fit after fifty, gladiator, boxer. I'm gonna have all my workouts. And just start a library of training and nutrition counseling. I currently have, uh, I got my specialty, specialist in sports nutrition certification. So I'm now certified, uh, and up to date on all the current supplements and, and how to eat and all that stuff. So, um, I'll have a room designated for that. So once again, this is in my house, but I have a room. So my gladiator room and my YouTube room. It's going to have workout stuff in it. It's going to have badass posters. You know, it's got, you know, I guess a linoleum floor. There's no comfort in there. That's where I train. Uh-huh. So that's where I'm going to train you. That's where I'm going to train whoever's watching me. So I'm going to bring you into that environment and get you fired up to work out. So whenever you need a workout, okay, I'm going to go click. I'm going to go click on Shanna's channel, see what she's got today. So I'm going to be there to light a fire under your ass and to help people get moving and help people, you know, during this time. To give a different mindset, you know, just like you asking me to do this today, RC, this was amazing. You're keeping everything going. You know, we got to keep working and stay positive. So yeah. you and I are pro- being proactive in the world to try to keep it going during this bullshit, you know? Well, I figure, you know, my friends and I had been joking around about this, and I mentioned Angelo being the powerlifting champion in California, that uh-huh. we're either going to, you know, end up as... You know, we can either treat this as the biggest loser house where we're all confined to our one space and we got to lose as much weight as we possibly can, or uh-huh. we're going to be the next cast of my 600 pound life. <laughs> well, hopefully it's the first one. Oh right. my God. That's hilarious. Well, I still got a bunch oh, of weight shit. to lose anyway, so you know I'm fine with that, but 
Really? Yeah. What's your what's what's your situation there? Um, I mean, you know, let's we're all see. here to help each other. Uh, let's see. I jacked up both my ankles, both my knees, left shoulder, left elbow. Um, what? But, yeah. Oh yeah, I told you I'm injury prone. At one time? You no, not at on? one time. Just over the years. Oh, my <laughs> God, like, are you calling me like from a wheelchair right now, or what? Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I have my jump rope. Like, I, a buddy of mine Good. bought a Peloton, and he's like, you know, I bought a Peloton. I'm all excited to exercise, and I just took a picture of my jump rope and go, yeah, this was six bucks. Wait, what's a Peloton? What is it, that? It's that super fancy uh, exercise bike that you you link up to that has a monthly subscription where you link up to other coaches, uh, you know, from it's basically distance learning on the bike. So it's distance um, spin class. Whoa. Okay. You can, yeah. And you can rewatch old workouts or you can join live workouts and stuff like that. And the bike is crazy expensive, but I wow. hear it's really high quality. So I'm happy for, for that. But I was that's like, cool. Yeah. But I was like, the rope is six bucks. So, I'm with you with the rope. Yep, that's my category. <laughs> and, I, and, right. I, and I always wonder when everybody talks cardio, everyone's like, you got to go for a run, you got to do this, you got to do that. But almost nobody mentions the jump rope anymore. Right. I mentioned it, didn't I? Didn't I mention did. it to you? That's Several times. super important. Super, super important. All right, see? All right, I'm, I'm giving you a fist bump right now. Yeah. Because that, and you don't have to go anywhere. You just have to have a little space to do it. Exactly. Right. Like, like, but people don't. Uh, Think about that, you know? You know, like I'll go into the backyard and it's just up and down, up and down. It's hard as hell. It's, you know, I think, I think the least favorite workout in the world, like I will die a happy man if no one ever asked me to do one again would be a burpee. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Why? Why? <laughs> Why no burpee? Why? Absolutely hate that. Well, with my knees and my ankles to, you know. Squat oh. all the way down, kick out, you know, push up position, come back in, then jump straight up. I was like, oh, I'm good. Oh shoot! Uh, so I'm you like, mean that hurts you? Like so? Yeah. I mean, you injured yourself, but it's like a recurring injury. Somewhat, your knees and ankles are bad, basically. Yeah, well, you know, you you get injured and you keep the same diet. You're gonna blow up at some point, and then stress levels go up. So, you know, I've lost yeah. I've lost 65 pounds, so I'm happy with that. But I still got a ways to go. Holy shit! 65? That's yeah. that's like a person. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's a third grader. <laughs> Damn, that is a third grader. Good, good for you, RC. Yeah, but I, st I still got more to go. You know, go. I plateaued, and I got you know, and then you get lazy sometimes, and then you're, uh -huh. you know, one donut turns into three, that sort of thing. Okay, so you're six three, and what's your weight right now? Uh, three twenty. Three twenty. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, I have well, no wonder your knees and ankles hurt, bro. I'm not going to get you down. Well, I'm going right. to put you on a program. I'm going to get you down. I'm going to help you out. Since you did All this right. for me, I'm going to help you out. Like I'm, I'm all for it. You know? Damn, do you know how much better your knees and ankles would feel if you dropped 100 pounds? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I need to be somewhere between 220 and 240. Hell, yeah. No, dude, seriously, after this, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to help you out. Wow, whatever I, I can do, Whatever you. I can do to help you out, you know? Seriously. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Wow. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. You're a beast. Well, trying. Um, if you get that and can flip people and shit, <laughs> damn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's the fun part. You know, nice. is, throw, is throwing people around. It's just the the stamina stuff. Judo pushups are have always been a pain in the ass, but I still love those. What's judo pushups? Uh, they call them the dive bomber pushups, where you start in a in a pike position, and then you arch all the way through into uh, I think yoga. They call it cobra. Oh. You know, that arch, and then swivel back out. And come back. Okay, I know. Yeah. I know what Some you're talking about. Some people call about. them dive bomber pushups. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. You 
but like a lot of people forget about like elastic bands and those are relatively cheap. Um, I was talking to Alex uh, Ardente who did the documentary uh, Sups the Movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, he mentioned that there's two different styles of progressive overload where it's, you know, you keep the same reps and continuously increase the weight. And then what the Europeans did was, uh, keep the, you know, keep the weight relatively light, but go, you know, su- uh, super high repetition. And that yep. was also some of the bodybuilding stuff that they did. Why does that not get enough respect? Um, I think because it's limited, you know, it's like there, I think, okay, there's so much going on right now. There's so many workouts, so many different things to do. Um, you have to do what's right for you at the time. You have to do what you have access to do, what's right for you at the time, you know, and they talk about the reps and sets. Well, right now, okay, here's a perfect example. When you're kind of low energy and low mood and everybody's kind of feeling the dip right now, hopefully we'll level out as far as everybody's moods and emotions. We don't, we don't know what's going on. So everybody's kind of like freaking out right now and they're kind of depressed. Um, I've got people, my clients tell me they, they're more sore than before. Um, you know, they don't feel like lifting heavy because their, their anxiety level is high. Um, and it's, it's more stressful to lift heavy. Okay. So during this time, you know, talk about the, um, you said European does more reps, right? You were just, just, you mentioned that. You yeah, said that's, that what, that's what Alex had told me. So like, say, you know, instead of doing, um, you know, like your match, let's say your max bench is 350, for example. Yeah. And, you know, you know, two set, uh, uh, you know, uh, two rep max bench. But so you, you know, you drop down to pump out, you know, three sets of 10 at yep. like 300 or 290 instead yep. of doing like 150 and cranking out like a burnout workout. Okay, gotcha. Okay, now now during this time, those workouts I think are better with high rep and lower weights um, during this time because when you don't feel like doing shit, you need to get under some lighter weight just to get the movement going, okay? And when you're really, really stressed out and your anxiety level's high, it's not a good time to lift heavy weights. That is not a good time to go on a lower rep, high weight program. So um, during a duressful situation, whether, you know, maybe someone passed away in your family, now we have the the virus going on, I, I recommend way more to do just more runs, more rope jumping, high rep, low weight, not to put so much strain on your system because it can backfire and go the other way. And mentally you're like, I don't even feel like getting underneath that weight today. Okay. You know what? But you can get under the bar. Okay. Just get under the bar, you know, put 50 pounds on there and let's do some pro football drills, do incline. Let's, let's pop out 25, 35 reps, um, you know, with on a time session like that. So, I don't think one is better than the other, but I think one is better during certain times than other times. So like, you know, when it's Christmas and Thanksgiving and you're eating a lot of calories and you're relaxed and you're around family, that's when you need to get under some heavy weight. When you got high calorie take, your nerves are a little bit less. Well, it depends on who your family is. Right. <laughs> when your nerves are a little less and you, you know, you've got some, you know, carbs, you know, and you, and you carb loaded, that's the time to lift some heavy weights when you have a low stress situation you can deal with the more stress of heavy lifting, okay? Mm-hmm. And your your mind and body just works better that way. But now, when you're stressed out, it's better to do lighter weights. And plus, you know, you don't have a gym anyway. Who's going to spot you, you know, throwing 350 around? Right. Get under your own bar, do lighter weights and, and higher reps right now. So one's not better than the other. It's just you got to put the right the right rep and set combination during the right time and the right, like if you're off season, like in, in weightlifting or excuse me, in football, mm-hmm. they lift really, really heavy during off season. Okay. When they've got the time to rest and recover, you know, but when they start playing, 
you know, they lighten up the weights, they, they, they increase the reps, they've got the stress of the game they're going to play, and you don't want the injuries. So when stress levels are high, high reps, low weights, a lot of running, a lot of fresh air, you know? So that's what we have to do right now, basically. Right. And, yes. you know, since you did bodybuilding and fitness expos and whatnot in the past, mm-hmm. what's that going to do for the sport of bodybuilding? You know, because, I mean, recently we've had, you know, the mass monsters. I think that started with Dorian Yates in the 90s and then continued Gosh. on. Yeah. And then, you know, wow. Phil Heath and then, you know, people abusing insulin and just, you know, having the extended bellies and whatnot. Is it going to look like the 70s again with, like, the style of the classic physique, even though that's its own division? Or is that just how bodybuilding is going to make a turnaround? Um, You know, just with the... With the drug thing, you know, I think, you know, like Deck and Dorian Yates days, you know, you just said that. And I remember seeing him on the cover of so many magazines and you're just like, oh, my God, this beast. You know, it's funny. I haven't heard that name in so long. Uh, I think we live in a more, I mean, well, what we're going through right now is a perfect example. But I think we live in a more stressful time right now. Than we did back then. Things were a little bit more relaxed, you know. That you know, mm-hmm. even Arnold Schwarzenegger days back there. You know, him owning a gym and in, in, um, in Venice. I can't remember which gym was his, but I worked out there when I was Miss Fitness California, and I got to meet him. And he was still training heavy and straining heavy dudes. But I remember during that time, a lot less stressful. You could lift heavier weights. People were experimenting with steroids, not really knowing what the long term mm-hmm. effects are. I don't think it's ever going to go back that direction. I don't think that the market is going to support that because they can't sell a sport that's unhealthy that, you know, you're going to die if you do too many steroids. And, right. you know, now we all have to work. You can't lift too many heavy weights. You're going to be injured and you can't do normal work. I think it's a whole different time than it was then. I don't think we're going to have ever, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, I know natural bodybuilding has actually had a spike and they're doing a lot more for that because natural bodybuilders can also get jobs modeling and acting or whatever. So it's all about the money right now. So, um, I don't think it's ever going to go back to that. No one wants to do the drugs anymore. Um, like they used to, people will still edge out and do them, but not in the masses like they used to. Right, because I know, know we're, we're uh, excuse me, I know we lost uh, Rich uh, Paina. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Paina. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. You I didn't got it. Wow. You know, we lost wow. him like almost three years ago or two and a half years ago. And just, Has it know, been that long? Shit. Yeah. And there's okay. been so many people, you know, professional wrestling, they, they've had various issues with, with steroid abuse and drug abuse. And, yeah. you know, is it because people don't necessarily know how to cycle off? I'm not advocating steroids. I'm just saying for the people that are using, you know, isn't it wiser to, like, you know, be under medical care instead of just listening to the guy on the bench next to you? Yeah, and it's funny you said that, too, because I actually have a friend um, that just started doing a cycle this last year um, that I didn't know that he was doing it until after he started, you know, gaining weight and, Oh, I'm feeling great. And this and then I'm like, bruh, okay, wait a second. This is not, I've known him for forever. And I'm like, okay, this is, well, I went to an anti-aging doctor. Okay. This is all legal. Mm-hmm. You know, I had low testosterone. I'm like, bro, you're 30, uh, 40 years old. Okay. So how much low, you're supposed to have a little bit of low testosterone. And then the problem with that is I know even in, when you're under the care of an anti-aging doctor, okay, they can give you a script use 
and but they don't have the the counseling to go with it afterwards. So I think it's even somewhat careless to be able to go to an anti-aging doctor because that's kind of the thing now. You just go to your doctor and you get the juice, right? Mm-hmm. But the doctor is prescribing the medication, but they they're not even helping them psychologically. Okay, why am I so you know you talk about cycling off and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. They get so excited to, to feel good, so excited to do the juice, and you know. But what goes up must come down. You know, they're not required to go back to the doctor and deal with these mental issues that the people might not even know that that's why they're feeling this way and feeling depressed when you get off the juice. You know, and it's like now I'm just a friend that just got off of it because with the virus, you know, a lot of juice compromises your immune system. You know, when you do stack after stack, you know, you get sick sometimes, and so. He's come back at me with like, oh my God, I got to stop now because I can't get sick. I'm like, well, no shit. Well, no shit. You know, I was like, well, you took that chance taking this anyway. And you knew that, you know, but now we have a virus and now you're, now you're stressing out about it. So at any, under no circumstance, at any time, is it okay to have your immune system compromised? But, you know, just like, just like it's been over time there, you know, guys are so desperate or girls even Mm -hmm. to look better and feel better. And I do have a girlfriend of mine that also has had a terrible battle with steroids over the last couple of years and could not get off of it because she had depression before some stupid wrestling on steroids and pro wrestling. And it's just like, I fucking stay away from that shit like the plague. I've never seen anything really good come out of it that, that helped them that, you know, I, I mean, unless you're like, you know, NFL pro athlete, a football player, okay, maybe then you feel the pressure to do it and you have the money to go to to do therapy. Well, a lot of people don't have that. They'll get that quick fix minus the aftercare that you need to do it the right way. And I'm saying right ways because sometimes you get prescribed it for health reasons. Um, right, by like a doctor. injury recovery or something. Yeah, sort, yeah, some growth. You know, here's some growth and some shots, you know, for your knee or whatever, and then you're under the care. But everybody that I know doesn't have great insurance. Their insurance runs out, and then you don't have a doctor, and then you don't have the money for therapy. So, dude, it's like mm-hmm. don't even get started with that because it is – a never-ending cycle of ups and downs, and um, like you said, most most people aren't educated enough to do it. But I don't ever see that again. I don't because I think all of us have known someone or been connected to someone that have had that's had a bad experience off of it. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm still dealing with it because I'm a trainer, and I do deal with people that are doing it, and I've tried to get them off of it. But now I've turned into like a therapist or a counselor. I'm like, okay, look, you're feeling this way because your testosterone has dropped. I deal with this stuff all the time, dude. Still, still. But um, mainstream market-wise, I don't think that the sport would support that type of look. So I don't think we'll ever see that again. Thank God. I don't. I really don't. You know, because just the way things are changing, because, you know, I'll I'll listen to some bodybuilders and they're like, oh, you know, no one's making gains right now in in their home gym. No one's doing this. No one's doing that. But it's just, you know, the I mean, the the sport itself has gone from what it was in, you know, the uh, what's the pumping iron era all the way to the Phil Heath era that the virus is, you know, the coronavirus is just going to switch things up and, uh, you know, revamp the sport one more time well you know now a lot of people don't have access to that type of weight you know they don't have access to them really heavy weights you know, and power lifters are probably suffering the worst because you can't get in the gym you can't get to the weights and you know what all of this for some reason and you know my heart goes out to anyone that this is affected health wise you know and i hope everybody stays mm-hmm. safe and healthy and never in a million years would i think it's right for people to suffer but you know i think after this happens that we're going to come out better than 
for. And, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it's good to wean yourself off of really, really heavy lifting that puts you under a stressful situation where you think you might have to have steroids or whatever. You have to find a different way to survive and evolve. So I think pulling people out of the gym is okay, you know, especially in the sense of the heavy, you know, hardcore bodybuilders. Um, they're going to shrink. Well, bro, everybody's going to shrink. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's going to shrink. And, Not just um, muscle mass, but height wise too. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? High wise? Yeah, we when we get older, we all get shorter too. Oh shit! Yeah, well that okay that too. Yes. So every yeah, we're all going to lose an inch or two in that category. But um, the fact that everybody's going to come out of here, you know, your body's going to be under less stress of the weights. Um, I think it's going to be better for everybody. And the bodybuilding world, you know, mental shift over to fitness. You know, worst case scenario. You're going to be doing more boot camp style exercises, more running, more body weight exercises. So you might have more of a men's fitness week. And guess what? You could get modeling jobs that way. You can, you know, promote natural supplements that way. You know, you can, you know, have a better sex life that way because <laughs> you're not so stressed with all the big muscles and testosterone that poops out after five minutes. Your endurance is going to increase. So I see so many good things coming out. On the other side of this, but man, change is hard. Mm-hmm. Change is hard, but you know what? As long as we all keep talking to each other and sharing our experiences with each other, we realize you're not so isolated. Right. And um, and we're all doing this together. And you know, you're broke. Well, fuck, I'm broke too, man. You know, I've got clients online, but I lost a whole platform with Reforge Fitness that I just started. So I lost 25 clients, and I'm like, damn. So, you know, we're all taking a deep breath, but. But fuck, it's just like, let, let the change happen. It's almost yeah. like I've had babies before, and this is something that you can't stop when you're in the process of having a child. It's painful. <laughs> it sucks. There's a monster inside of me. Make it stop. Change. No. Okay, so I'm giving you, like as a dude, okay, mm-hmm. just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Just breathe. Let it pass. And let it happen. Let the change occur. Let the Take a breather. You know, I'm looking at the beach right now. I'm right here on the water. There is nobody on the beach. So for the first time, no one's throwing shit in the water. No one's polluting the sand. Mm-hmm. It's 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 you know going to be this way for a month. And right. you know, it's it's just beautiful right now. I mean, it's like er, the world is breathing. The pollution is dropping. Right. You know, bodybuilders are shrinking. <laughs> you, know? you know, they're not eating so much now. Don't eat so many calories because you're not moving so much. I think all of this. It's wonderful and it hurts. So, but just like when you're having a baby, it hurts like hell. But when that baby comes out on the other side, it's the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen in your life. Right. So let the shit pass. Let your muscles shrink just a little bit, but go for a run. Do some body weight shit. Quit obsessing over your damn body so much and like reach out to your friends and family, help each other, you know, shit. Well, hopefully this also uh, unifies the society so we're not as divided as we were over whether it was politics or just, you know, trivial things that uh, people would get into arguments about before. Amen to that. You know what? We haven't heard anything about, you know, Trump's impeachment or all this kind of crap. That's really refreshing for to see two parties not trying to kill each other and everybody's just trying to survive right now. What a thing in that regard. You're absolutely right about that. You know, right now, because the funny thing is I know people that are still swearing uh, at President Trump, and I don't care if you voted for him or you didn't vote for him. That doesn't affect me one way or the other. But when Governor Cuomo is being nice to him, when Governor Newsom in California and, you know, his worldview are totally in opposition to what Trump's platform is and they're getting along, 
you know, it's time for the rest of us to stop playing politics as well and go, hey, they're trying to make it work. We can try to make it work. Amen. Yes, I'm right there with you. Absolutely. And I don't give a shit who our president is. Our president is our president and it deserves our support. You know, I mean, that's who was voted in. And it's just like I've never seen the world the way that it is right now and all the hate for a president. And I mean, you don't have to like the guy, but, you know, where's the respect? And just it just went out the window. But now, like you said, it's all kind of following, falling back in order. And I think he's doing a freaking amazing job. And, you know, there's, I couldn't do what he does. Not nobody. There's no one that could do what Trump's doing and what he's endured and how he's just, just made it through this hate and shit. So, you know, I don't hate any of our government. I'm not a politician. So therefore, I mean, either way is okay with me. And I just pay my taxes and go vote and otherwise shut the fuck up because really. What does it matter if you like somebody personally or not? It just you're not. They're not there to be your best friend. Shit, that's not and, what they're there for. And then after the crisis is over, you can go back and hate them if you want to. So. Yes, go back to your hater nation, boy. <laughs> exactly. Jeez, yeah. that's the easiest thing. You know, right now is peacetime. After that, go back and hate who you want to hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and just be thankful that you have the privilege to hate somebody like that, and a privilege or whatever. It's like shut up, bratty Americans. Shit. Golly, right? Well, hey, you're from Arkansas originally, aren't you? I am, yes. So, you know, you, you're as bratty American as they come at that point. Well, no, I'm not a bratty American in that I've learned how to respect my elders and respect my, you know, and head of us. So as far as that goes, I don't have a voice of hate with that. You know, when Obama was president, he was president. I didn't agree with a lot of the stuff that he did, but he was still my president, you know, and Trump's president now. And, you know, I, I'm a Republican. I voted Republican for the last 10 years. I'm just a Republican supporter. Mm-hmm. But when my president didn't win, you know, last year, I wasn't like hating on Obama and like throwing racist hates and shit like that. So it's like, I think I've grown up a lot, RC. I think I've, uh, adulting very well. And I think there's a peaceful side of me that, that wasn't here 10 years ago. And it's just because I do realize all this traveling around the world, we are the same person. I mean, whether in China, Japan, or I've got Chinese friends. I did Japanese gladiators. I made good friends over there or whatever. And, you know, I was blessed to know that we're all a human body. Our body's all susceptible to the same virus. Mm -hmm. And the poison that comes out of your mouth is going to do nothing but hurt you. It doesn't hurt the other person. It hurts your well-being. It hurts your health. It hurts your mental health. So the less hate, that I've spewed, the better my health is and the better my life goes. So I have learned that in my 50-year-old milestone of living here, which I never thought I would make it to 50 years old, but I've learned. Wait, wait, you wait, do wait, have wait. hold on, hold on. Before you finish that thought, why didn't you think you'd move, make it to 50? Because the way that I live, bro, I didn't see anything past the day that I was living. I mean, I, I just... I didn't, um, I don't have the mindset, I didn't have the mindset to be an old wise person. And it's like bigger, harder, faster, stronger. That's the way that I always lived. And then once my body, I had, a, you know, the heart thing and I've dealt with digestive problems and like things slow us down, but man, it's all for a reason. And, um, to make it to another 50 years, man, it's all your mindset, dude. And now I want to live longer. I want to see my kids, grandkids, and I do have faith in the world. I do have faith um, in God. I'm a Christian, and I just believe so much different than I used to. But my belief system in my 20s and 30s would not have allowed me to live past this point had I not changed my mindset. It is that important, you know, how you think and feel about the world, or else you won't be a part of this world anymore. 
So, <laughs> I mean, there's some truth for your ass. You know, it's like if you're hating everything around you, it's going to manifest somehow in your body as a sickness, as an illness, as, you know, a mental illness or whatever. And I'm just not going to let hate and um, fear and all of that control my life. You know, when you're young, you can do that. But like when you're older, you got to watch your thoughts, man. You have to watch what you say. You have to watch how you treat people or someone's going to pop a cap in your ass or you're going to run a fucking car into a tree because you can't deal with life. It's all a mindset that I have been blessed, blessed, blessed to understand finally. And now I'm ready for the next 50 because I understand the world a lot better than I did when I was 20. And like I said, thank God I could fight. Uh, and I had that fury to be able to go into the ring, but I had a lot of anger issues. I had a lot of abuse in my background and my family. You know, I was, oh, I can't even tell you, I went through a whole lot. You know, we've all gone through things and I've gone through those terrible things too. And, um, it almost ate me alive, you know, but to let go of all that and to look in the future and to stay positive, I mean, that's easier said than done. You know, and I see all these people hating the president and all that kind of shit. And I'm like, damn, you're lucky. You get a privilege to even speak that, but it's, it's, it's just going to hurt the people that's hating so much. Right. You know, it's not going to hurt the person that you're Trump's doing just fine. You know, you're the one that's got you know, needs antidepressants or to fucking drink every day, you know, chill the fuck out and show some gratitude and appreciation. That goes a long way, you know? Yeah, I think that's something we're relearning right now is that uh, we need to be grateful for what we have and for those of us that are still healthy that haven't caught it. Hell yes, and for your family and those in your life, and shut up and pray, man. This is not a thing for, for all that. And you know, just like in every household, you get kids, kids argue and fight. And that's an immaturity thing. You know, um, how old are you, RC? I will be 42 in May. Okay. So you're starting some adulting right about now in your life. <laughs> oh, no, I've, I've dealt with another. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, my parents are, are immigrants and, you know, they came from the Middle East. So I know like all the, the hardship stuff that I grew up with, you know, listening to all the stories of the Civil oh, War in man. Lebanon and the Iranian Revolution and everything else that was going on. Yeah. So like I, you know, I had to like grow up and realize that stuff a lot earlier than most people did. Right. But, um, yeah, that's a deep life lesson there. So yeah, you've had to deal with some stuff, but it made you a better person. You know, sometimes you don't have your ass kicked. Yeah. I think so. I mean, we just, you just won't survive if you just think a certain way and you got to change minds. Right. All this worldly bullshit. I can't deal with it. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I was talking to to somebody the other day and there was like, you know, I'm all about Gucci and Louis Vuitton and whatever else. I was like, all right, that's your scene. That's not mine. Right. You know, I mean, like, congratulations. I hope you find happiness with that stuff. And I'm not ragging on Gucci or Louis Vuitton or any of those guys. Believe me, if they want to sponsor me, I'll be more than happy to support their gear. Right. You know, but like, you know, there's image, there's branding, and then there, there's who you are. If all you are is somebody else's name, you know, on your purse, uh, on your butt with your jeans or whatever else, then there's not much substance to you at that point. It's super, yeah, it's super shallow and it's one dimensional and there's like strength if that's your identity. Absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But you know what? I think that as warriors, you know, I think that we're here. We're supposed to be, you know, good role models for people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking shit and selling tickets. That's, that's one thing. And that's just, right. you know, one thing. But I'm talking about the people that, that kind of are like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's how they brand themselves during this time. They don't have the tools and the fortitude or the discipline. Maybe mentally to get through stuff like this. So, I mean, I think it's our job 
you know, to be there. And as a coach, you know, it sounds like that you'd be a great coach, RC, just with your mindset and how you're able to talk to people would be a coaching asset. And I think that, you know, you had this platform to communicate with people and, you know, to provide information and stuff, you know, from people that are trying to make a change in the world. You well, know, I we're you supposed the to be their strength. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. for sure. And if it was like, you know, a shitty platform, I wouldn't be talking with you if we're talking about shitty things, but because it's positive, you know, this is a great way to spread good energy. And we got to be there for those people that may not be as strong during this time, but training in martial arts and boxing, we are warriors and we are a little stronger than those people that are just wearing Gucci and Louis Vuitton and that's their whole social scene. But you know, this, this times like these break people that, you know, have a shallow thing like that. And I, we're supposed to help them. We're supposed to be there for them. And, you know, for once, it'll, life will humble you. And I'm sure it's going to humble those people. And money, all the money in the world, you know, won't save your ass during a crisis. You know, it's the people that have strong faith uh, and strong physical, you know, and you can deal with a lot of stress. These are the ones that we lean on. Um, and so hopefully we'll be those people for, you know, some other people may be listening that need some positive reinforcement of that alone. Unfortunately, if you're alone, you need to make some friends and readjust your life because you don't want to go through this alone, you know? Right. So and if you are alone, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And make some changes, make some positive changes and, and, you know, reinsert yourself in family. If you don't have many friends then you probably aren't a good friend to people, your Gucci can't comfort you in times like these. Just picture right? him hugging the purse right now. That'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you made, bag right now, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, know? you made it out on the other end. You said you went through abuse and all that stuff, and we haven't touched upon that. We'll touch upon that at a later date. Um, yeah. How do you change your mindset, especially after a heart condition and digestive problems and everything else that, that you went through? And now during a pandemic like this to sit there and readjust and go, no, I'm happy. Oh, you know what? Um Last year, uh, it was a year of growth for me. We had to leave Florida. I had to go to New Mexico where I thought, you know, an extended family for us was. And um, the main thing and my source is is basically, you know, my tribe, you know, and you got to find out who your family are, who your family is, who your friends are. Um, and like especially during times like these, it's important. But what got me through um, are the people that love me. You know, I have strong friends and strong family people that maybe – I wasn't there for so much because I've got my heads in the clouds and doing gym stuff. But you know what? When I really, really needed some friends and family, the people that I needed stepped up there for me. And so I was in the hospital just in, in October. I had like intestinal ulcers. I felt like I got divorced again all over in New Mexico. I'll tell you what, I'm a, I'm a strong chick, but I've got a very sensitive heart. And I love when I love, I do love big, and I'm very loyal. Mm-hmm. And when people fuck me over, I take it really, really seriously and heartfelt. And um that's what made me decide to buy a house here in Florida throughout my hardship of last year and leaving my gym. Um, and by the way, you know, the gym that I had, like I've, I've the kids there that they've been there for me. I just, I know that my people are here. So what got me through all the bullshit and through, you know, the heart surgery that I had, I had people step up for me that I didn't really notice before that were that strong of a friend to me. So the friends have stepped up for me during my time of need. Now I know who my friends are. Now I know who my family is and I treasure those relationships more than I ever have and more than anything in the world because we're strong, but even the strongest warrior, the strongest fighter, everybody falls. And when you fall, if you're not somewhere where there's people to catch you, 
man, you're not in the right place. So it's so important to surround yourself with that little handful of friends and family that are always going to be there for you because we're all going to go through shit. So you better be around the right people when you fall down that's going to help you up instead of stomp on your head, bro. So, you know, I know now that's why I've got a house in Florida here, like, like I said. The people here that have stepped up for me, and it's all through boxing and MMA and me helping their kids and they saw my heart, you know, they didn't, weren't jealous of me. They weren't trying to knock me down. So that's why, that's why I'm here. You know, my faith in God, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I, I don't go to church or anything. I don't, I don't really do the church thing just because the social part of it, I don't have like a husband. I don't have like the money, the family stuff. So I pray with my kids one-on-one and, you know, my faith is in God and, you know, I, I pray to Jesus. That's, that's just who I am. Um, that's what I do. I'm not a preacher, but I know where my faith lies. And that deep, deep faith that I have found in my lowest places is what keeps me going. So I pray to God and Jesus, that's how I teach my kids. That's, that's my right. That's my passage. And the people that I, uh, am around and my friends and family have a similar faith that I do. So, you know, there's no, you know, political arguments for, we all love the same president. We all, <laughs> we're all in the same party. Because I tell you, I am a fighter, RC, and if you fucking step to me, bro, it's like I don't step down or back or whatever. So I know now, I know in the bottom of my heart to be with people that I vibe with, that understand me, that get along with me. So I'm not married, but at least I have good friends and family. And I'm sure you're probably the same way. And, you know, anybody that fights or does martial, you'll fight. Just like I'll I'll fight for you. If you're my friend, I'll fight for you. But I'm making sure that I'm fighting for the right people and the people that would do the same for me. And I finally at 50 found my tribe. There's no question in my mind where I belong. There's no question in my mind who I am. There's no question in my mind that I'm worth the love that these people have given me because I've given it back. So it's been a long time coming here and a lot of battles and stuff, but um, that's what sustained me is my, my friends and family. Cause when I fall, I have about three people to catch me, you know, it has nothing to do with money had nothing to do with any anything like that. It's just this love. I know what love is now. So, you know, when you give it, you get it back. And if you don't have it, man, you better – God, I'm, I'm trying to think of what to tell people. It's like you just have to – we're talking about the world and how you think about things and being racist and president, man. That shit will not take you very far, you know? Mm-hmm. So to get the ultimate kind of love and the ultimate kind of relationship, you got to drop all that bullshit because you might miss the love of your life because you don't like a certain color skin or a certain president or a certain religion. I'm sure not going to let it pass by me because of that. So I'm I'm open and accepting to all that stuff. And I think my mindset is what brought me to these beautiful relationships that I do have right now with my extended. These aren't my blood family, but they're my soul family. And I, because my original family just very, um, like you said, that's for another show, but it was very um, dysfunctional, my original family, and um, full of dysfunction. But now I've got my new family, and after the coronavirus here, you know, I'll have a home with, with my new life and new fam and, and just bless. It's nothing but it's nothing but a miracle, and there is a God. And until you believe that, man, I think you just can't have your greatest blessings. But once you realize that, watch things start happening beautifully for you but man it's 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 a birthing it's like having a big time i having babies that's another baby i had to go through so now this is my 50 year old cocoon person coming out of this deal but more beautiful stronger and happier than ever so even though i was a world champion and a gladiator i was not a very happy person on the inside and still dealing with a lot of stuff and and all that stuff but man i got a peace now bro that i've never had before in my life because 
not because of winning a battle or being world champion. You can have 10 belts and still be a really sad, depressed person on the inside. But now I don't have any of that, and I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. So it's like it all comes from your faith and the people around you, the people that did support you when you fell. Awesome. Shannon, thank you so much. We're going to continue this conversation just a bit after the, the end of this broadcast. But where can we find you on social media so we can reach out to you? And where can we find your YouTube page? Oh, thank you. Um, well, my Instagram is knockout underscore 1000. And I don't get on Facebook. <laughs> so, so just on Instagram right now, knockout underscore 1000. And I'll be starting my YouTube channel. Um, and I will put that uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to call it yet so I'm trying to figure out the name but I'll be moving into my house uh, in a week and uh, so probably a week after that I'll have my YouTube channel up but I will put that on my Instagram awesome Shannon Hall Dallas American Gladiator tough woman competitor muscle and fitness magazine you know centerfold well they didn't do centerfolds but you know <laughs> in the magazines <laughs> and everything else boxing coach like I said a super boring person thank you so yeah. much <laughs> Thank you so much right. for talking to me today. Thank you, RC. Take care, man. Throw this bullshit. We'll make it through. You got it.